Well, our society has reached a boiling point, and I think it's showing up in people's uh, actions. Recently, a survey of 4,187 McDonald's workers, these respondents, thousands of them, indicated that 44% of them had been physically or verbally assaulted over mask mandates. Uh, Violence on airplanes is escalating. Southwest Airlines reported that an employee was attacked just last Saturday. She was punched, she was injured, and had to go to a local Dallas hospital. And this happened at the famous Love Field Airport in Dallas. I guess there wasn't a lot of love being shown at Love Field. Many of you are teachers. You do a great job teaching your students all kinds of levels, all kinds of grades, and you probably know better than anyone that teacher burnout is at an all-time high, and many are concerned about the state of education in America. The respected Harvard psychiatrist, Dr. Luana Marks, talks about what we've been through over the past year and a half. She says, we've been skating thin ice in the past year, and if the weight becomes too much, the ice cracks. I think that's what we're seeing. And I think she's absolutely right. The World Health Organization reports that over the past three decades, anxiety has increased by 1,200 Now, think with me for just a moment. I don't know about you, but my anxiety is rising just hearing those statistics, right? I mean, the world is at a boiling point. My mother and father lived through the Great Depression. They lived through World War II. They lived through a war in Korea, the war in Vietnam. My mom and dad lived through all of the societal and cultural changes that happened in the 1960s. And yet, our generation has far more anxiety than theirs. How can that be? Well, let me just get on my soapbox for just a moment and just kind of preach to the choir here, and I promise I'll get off the soapbox real fast. But for anyone who is very biblically literate and knows how this works, we're really just kind of reaping what we've sown, honestly. Because we're a society that in general, in general has kind of shut God out. I mean, the postmodern mindset says we have no room for God. In fact, the postmodern thinking is that All religion is dangerous. We need to get rid of it. There's no place for God in this postmodern world. The mantra, the zeitgeist of our culture is, we're our own gods. We can do it ourselves. And so, when you have a culture like that, we're simply reaping what we have sown. But I'm off my soapbox now, and I want to get very, very personal today. I want to say, I want to repeat basically what I said last week. I think it's important to note in a series like this that 
Some of you have been so traumatized in all kinds of ways in your life that it may be the best thing for you to do is seek some professional medical and or psychiatric help. You see, we believe in an awesome God who does marvelous things, even miracles in our lives, but I also believe that God provides all kinds of resources to help us get to a place of flourishing. So I just wanna be clear about that. If you need that kind of help, I urge you to get it, and don't be ashamed about that at all. You see, the truth is, we're holistic beings, and I think sometimes we, we have bad theology that shows up. We compartmentalize life a little too much. I'll hear a brother or sister say, well, pastor, it's just a physical thing, or no, this is just a relational issue I'm dealing with, or they'll say, well, you know, I've been to my doctor, and it's really just a chemical thing. Well, it may be relational, it may be physical, it may be chemical, but can I tell you what else it is? It's also spiritual. We can't compartmentalize life. We're a lot more connected, perhaps, than we ever thought. And God has designed us to flourish in every aspect of our lives. So I'm so excited about where we're going today because I do believe, as I named this sermon, a potent cure for anxiety. I believe that what we're talking about today is indeed a powerful and very potent cure for anxiety. It has been powerful in my life, and I just want to testify to that. Now, last week, we dived into this awesome passage in Philippians 4. Let's look at it again today, where Paul says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Now, I just want to remind you of the context. Those may seem like uh, words of somebody who's sitting in an ivory tower and has no troubles. Far from it. The Apostle Paul was in prison, literally in prison, when he wrote those words. He was going to be tried before Caesar. He had appealed to Caesar, and so that's why he is there. He had been preaching the gospel, and he has been imprisoned because of it. And yet this letter he writes back to the Philippian church is just brimming with optimism, with hope, and with joy and rejoicing. So let me read these verses again, verses four through seven. Here they are. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then this amazing promise, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is such a rich passage, but I want to zero in today on just one idea in the passage, and it's that word, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a potent cure 
for anxiety. In fact, I would even state my thesis today in these words. My big idea is that verbalizing thanks to God has a way of dissolving our anxiety and putting problems into perspective. Anxiety and thanksgiving, hear this now, simply can't reside in your heart and mind at the same time. Anxiety decreases as thanksgiving increases. Now, my guess is that some of you are kind of skeptical of that thesis. It may sound too slick, too simple to you. And maybe it does. But this has not only been my experience, it has been the experience of, I kid you not, hundreds of mature Christ followers with whom I've spoken through the years. They all testify that as their thanksgiving increases, their anxiety tends to dissipate and decrease. So I wanna talk with you about that today. But I want you to know something right up front. This is such a good day. We're gonna end our time together today a little bit differently than normal. We're gonna have a time of prayer. We're gonna carve out a time of prayer. And it's really for you. It's at the end of this message where no one will be rushed and members of our prayer team are gonna be here in the front area at all of our campuses. And so as you listen today, as you participate in this part of worship, I want you to be listening for how the Holy Spirit may want you to respond when the time of prayer comes because I believe there will be many, many people who will just, with hearts of gratitude, wanna come and wanna seek God here in this time of prayer. So be open to that as we jump in today. And when the time comes, some minutes from now, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready, prompted by the Holy Spirit, to stand up and step out and come forward for prayer. God may just wanna do something very special in your life today. So let's talk about this idea of thanksgiving. Dr. Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania has done enormous amounts of research on this, and he says that regularly giving thanks can improve your sleep habits, your sleep habits, and give you a much better sense of well-being. In fact, some research is showing that even inflammation can be reduced on a cellular level when we regularly give thanks. No wonder God prompted us to do that so many times in his word. Now, in my own life, I had the privilege of studying the language that the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. Oh, if you ever have an opportunity to do that, I hope you'll take advantage of it. And there's a word here today. It is the word eucharistia, eucharistia, and that is an exact transliteration of the Greek letters into English. Nothing changed. Eucharistia is the exact word the Apostle Paul uses in chapter 4, verse 6, that we just looked at. Now, if you go to a theological seminary and you get the chance to study Greek, usually in the second year of your studies, your professor will have you go through 
a book or two of the Bible, and you'll translate books like 1 John, 2 Timothy. Philippians is a popular one for second-year Greek students to go through. I actually got to do that in college with a professor, Dr. Robert Sheridan. I was his TA for some time, grading his Greek papers and sometimes even going to class and getting to kind of represent him in the class to the students. And I'll never forget the day when it was just myself and one other student doing an independent study, going through the book of Romans, but Dr. Sheridan shared the richness from Philippians 4 of this word, Eucharistia. He said, it is pregnant with meaning. Now, as we flash that on the screens here and leave it up there for a while, I wanna, wanna ask you, do you recognize that word? Does it remind you of something you've heard about? We, we get the word Eucharist from that, right? And you know, rightly so, that the word Eucharist means thanksgiving because, my goodness, if there's anything that ought to cause thanksgiving to well up, it's when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, right? And we take that little wafer or piece of bread and we take that juice and we're reminded of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be reconciled to the Father. That's really the first place that gratitude should begin. Jesus did for you. He did for me. If we're in Christ today, what we could have never done for ourselves. And our hearts should just be brimming with gratitude. And it may be that when you come in just a few minutes to this altar area here, it may be that that could be one of the things that you just want to thank God for. Because, you know, not only did he save you, he's been pretty good to you. I mean, just think of all the ways he's preserved you. You're still alive, aren't you? Amen. Through a deadly pandemic. There's a little bit of life in the room. Woo! You're still alive. You're still kicking. Your heart's still pumping. I think most of you have a pulse today, right? There's so much, so much to be thankful for. But Dr. Sheridan said, I'll never forget when he shared this, I just, my, my mind was exploding with these kinds of insights. He said there's another word packed in this word Eucharistia, and it is the word charis. Of course, that's the word for grace in the Greek language. And our church in Greek would be called charis koinonia. Charis koinonia, grace fellowship. And of course, when you think about grace, my goodness, there's tons to be thankful for. It means this unmerited favor. We come to salvation. We receive salvation by grace through faith in this saving work of Jesus Christ and that alone. And so every good gift we enjoy today is an act of grace on God's part. Every breath that you breathe is an act of grace. And wow, what a reason to be thankful. But we're not done yet. This word Eucharistia has yet another word packed inside of it, and it's the word kara. Now, that's the Greek word that is translated joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. 
that God gives us, and it bubbles up inside of us. So, as you can see, the word Eucharistia is just pregnant with meaning, and it, in, it reminds us of all that God has done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as our anxiety, as our, as our thanksgiving increases, our anxiety is going to decrease. Now, I, I want to be really personal today because this prayer time that we're going to have in just a few minutes, it's, it's really for you. It's a time for you. It's carved out for you so that you are not rushed, not hurried, and you have a time to really meet in a very meaningful, intense way with Almighty God. But I'm curious, what is it that's robbing you from that joyful, thankful heart? I mean, last week I mentioned some things, right? Not knowing where you stand with God is, is, is a big one. Having this immediate access to all these catastrophes around the world, we talked about that. We talked about this one, this is a big one. When your identity is rooted in anything that you can lose. Can I just give a personal testimony here for a minute? I don't know if this will shock you or not, but I, I grew up without a lot of affirmation, to be honest. My dad, you know, never said I love you. And, and, and the only time I got any affirmation that I can recall is when I was really performing well, either in athletics and basketball or in doing something physical where I could, you know, show strength or, or accomplishing something in the classroom and making A's on my report card. It's the only time. And so I grew up with my identity rooted in my performance. Maybe some of you can identify with this. And so I grew up believing I've got to compare and compete. If I'm going to be somebody in this world, if I'm going to have a name, if I'm going to have any worth or meaning at all, I've got to compare and compete. I've got to be better than the next guy. Boy, you, you live on that treadmill for a while and see how you feel. It will wear you out. And anxiety will be your constant companion. And so I learned as I was trying to deal with my own anxiety that if I started giving thanks to God, it had a way of just making my anxiety kind of decrease. And so here's what I did. Here's what I did. I started counting my blessings. I started years ago, and I've been doing this as a regular practice ever since, before I'd ever heard any research, before I'd ever heard Dr. Seligman, before I'd ever heard anything about positive psychology or any of that stuff, I just started counting my blessings and naming them one by one. We used to sing a song in the church I grew up in that told us to do that. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Well, I started literally doing that and I'm gonna urge you to do that right now. Some of you think this is irreverent to do in church. It's not. 
This is one of the best things you could do. So take out a piece of paper right now. Take out your phone. It's okay. You're not being irreverent. Go to the memo app on your phone or someplace where you can write some things down. And I at least want you to get four or five things down on that. Some of you may get 15 or 20. That's cool. Now, I did my list this week, and it got pretty long pretty fast, but I'm challenging you to do that right now. If you have paper, if you have a notebook, write down some ideas. Let me give you some blessings that you may want to thank God for. It might just be the ability to see and hear. What a gift. It might be the gift of conversation that you can actually have dialogue with people. Many of you, your mind will go immediately to relationships, right? Your spouse, you wanna thank God for your spouse, for your children, perhaps for a mom or dad, possibly for a good friend. You wanna thank God for these blessings. Or you may wanna thank God for the person who led you to Christ. Do you remember who that was? Maybe someone shared the gospel with you, or it may be someone in your small group, or someone who's helped you in your marriage a lot, and you go, wow, if it weren't for that person or those people, I might not still be married today. You see, the list can be virtually endless, and I'm urging you to write some of these people, some of these blessings, some of these things down today. Again, as I wrote mine this week, wow. I was overwhelmed at how good God has been to me. And here's what I find. As gratitude goes up, anxiety goes down. Some of you who follow college basketball, you may know the name Coach K. And he is, of course, the legendary basketball coach, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke University, who is retiring, by the way, after this season. This is his last year to coach. He's won five national championships and is widely recognized as one of the greatest basketball coaches in history. The last national championship they won was in 2016. And here's where I'm going with this. That year, when they won that championship, Coach K did an interesting exercise with the team. Here's what he did. He gave all the coaches and all the players their own basketball. Each of them got a basketball that was theirs to keep. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down on your basketball the names of all the people who got you here. It might be a fellow teammate who passed you the ball. It might be a coach that taught you hour after hour, the fundamentals of how to play the game. It might be a, a mom or dad who took you to hundreds and hundreds of practices and, and has been there at your games throughout the year. I want you to write down all their names, and I want you to carry that basketball with you throughout the entire tournament. Take it on the bus. Take it on the plane. Take it in the hotel room with you when we're on the road traveling. Wherever you go, I want you to take that basketball. And some of the players literally slept with their basketball as a reminder that you're not just playing for yourself, you're playing for a much wider circle of people here who helped you get to this place on your journey. And Coach K says that simple act of gratitude changed 
everything. The whole atmosphere on the team, the whole attitude, the whole environment was different because of that act of gratitude. Now, here's my question for you, brothers and sisters. Who has helped you get to where you are on this journey? Have you written any of their names down yet? Please, at least put a few names down there. Remind yourself of how God used that person in your life. They're a part of your thanksgiving list. Or can you write some of those pivotal moments? Oh, I begin to think about the moments. I, you can call them inflection points, or you can call them pivotal moments where, wow, if I'd gone down this road, my life would have been very different. But thank God, God allowed me to go down this road, and I praise God and thank him for his guidance and protection. Some of those moments should show up on your list, by the way, because that's huge. Some of those moments should show up there. You see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We need to remember this this week of Thanksgiving. We can get so focused on what we don't have that we neglect to recognize and thank God for the things that we do have. So that's why in just a few moments here, we are going to literally pause and seek God in prayer with thankful hearts. Some of you will want to come and you'll want to pray about some of those sources of anxiety in your life, but you're definitely going to want to come and thank God for some of these awesome blessings as well. You see, again, just being very autobiographical today, I think back to the time when as a 13-year-old teenager, God broke through in my life. I was regenerated by the Spirit of God. I repented of my sins, and I was converted. I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget that time. But do you know what my number one emotion was at that time? I can remember it as clearly as, as if it were right now. My number one emotion was gratitude. Gratitude. And I had this thought, I remember having this thought, literally it's like I was floating out of that little building that day, that little red brick church building. It doesn't matter how many bad things happen to me in my life, the last things are gonna be the best things. I'm not going to hell. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I belong to him, he's forgiven my sins, and I am his. And gratitude just filled my soul. And then I began to read the scriptures. Oh my, that's a game changer. And I began to find all these promises in scripture, like the one who is in me that is greater than the one who is in the world. I began to discover that no matter what my feelings were, that didn't matter so much. God was never going to leave me nor forsake me. And I learned that I could cast my anxiety upon him because he truly, truly cares for me. My heart was so full of gratitude, I could hardly contain myself. Now, I was still a poor kid on a farm. My dad still cut my hair with these rickety clippers he had that I was always embarrassed about how my hair looked. 
My clothes were still hand-me-down clothes. I can literally remember the evening that I yielded my life to Christ. I can remember exactly what I was wearing, and it was all hand-me-downs, shoes and everything. But my heart was brimming with gratitude because I felt like a king's kid. You know why? Because I was. I was a king's kid. And if God has done that for you in Christ, your heart has got to be brimming over, gushing over with joy and gratitude, with Eucharistia for the one who has poured such grace and lavished it on your life. If that represents your heart today, let this be a moment of thanksgiving because gratitude, when it fills your soul, trust me, it has a way of driving the anxiety out. They cannot reside in your heart and mind at the same time. So here we are. We're gonna pray now. The moment has come and I urge you to stand up and step out and come forward and verbalize some of the things that you're grateful for. But also, let this be a moment right now, as our campus pastors are gonna guide us through this, let this be a moment when you pray to God about some of those sources of anxiety in your life. And again, our prayer partners are gonna be here all along the front area at Saratoga, at Half Moon, at Latham. And if you'd like to come and maybe just stand or kneel by yourself, that is perfectly okay. You don't have to share what's on your heart with one of these prayer partners. That's okay. Nobody's going to bug you or bother you about that. You just come and spend some time alone. That's totally okay. But I think most of you, most of you are going to want to seek out one of these amazing prayer partners and come and just spend a moment praying with them. Your campus pastors are gonna guide you through this time of prayer. But remember, as Thanksgiving goes up, anxiety goes down. Don't let this opportunity for prayer pass you by. That was such a powerful and timely message from Pastor Rex on how gratitude and Thanksgiving can cure our anxious hearts. Right now at all of our campuses in Latham, Happoon, and Saratoga, people are coming up to the stage to be prayed for by our prayer team. We are so thankful for God and what He's doing in this moment at our campuses. But wherever you are, please know that you can go to God in prayer at any time of your day for anything that you need. For us watching online, I'm going to guide us through a time of prayer. And I'm going to start off with giving us about 30 seconds to where you are, thank God, give Him all the praise and the blessings and the gratitude for what He's done in your life. After those 30 seconds are done, I'll close our time in prayer. So let's spend the next 30 seconds being thankful for what God has given us in our lives. God, we are so blessed 
and thankful for everything you've done in our lives. God, all the provisions and the things that you provided for us and the blessings, we are so grateful. God, help us to see daily how you bless us. Holy Spirit, give us insights daily on all the ways that we are protected and provided for. So God, help us to be people of gratitude, people of thanksgiving. Let it cure our anxiety. Lord, I pray for anybody right now who is going through any level of anxiety right now. God, I pray that your peace and your love will come down upon them. God, we pray that that all our anxiety, everything, we, we cast it to you, we give it to you. God, you are near to the brokenhearted. Let us walk in the freedom and the confidence you give to every believer. Promise in Jesus' name. Amen.